This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. This is Easter, and I know it doesn't seem like it, but it is Easter. And today we're gathered in our homes in groups of 10 people or less. But don't let your small gatherings cause you to become small-minded. Because today, and this just gets me today... There are 2.3 billion of us from every continent, from every country, we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We may be separated, but we're not isolated. Not to mention that the size of the gathering doesn't really matter, because remember the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, He will be there. So wherever you are, However many you are, hopefully 10 or less, your Easter gathering is very significant. Jesus has noticed, and he is very pleased that you've set aside this time to join, uh, again, your other 2.3 brothers and sisters in worship of the risen Savior. Now, it goes without saying that this Easter season is very different. Our vocabularies have incorporated some new or at least some previously seldom used terminology. For example, flatten the curve. Uh, Who would have understood that a short time ago? Incubation period, quarantine, social distancing. Would you have known what that was at Christmas time? Stay-at-home order. I thought that was just in communist countries. COVID-19, two to three months ago, if you would have used that in a sentence, people would have looked at you and said, what? And, and furthermore, our conversations this year, instead of talking about March Madness or the baseball season that should have started one month ago today, we, we talk about where, it's kind of embarrassing, but where we can buy toilet paper. Uh, supplies are completely wiped out. Pardon the bad joke there, but... And and I'll be honest with you, in the 60 years that I've been on this earth, I I don't ever remember the subject of toilet paper being discussed so freely, especially in church. And and I've learned a lot about the production and the distribution of TP. I've learned, according to an article that I read from ABC two or three days ago, the average American uses 141 rolls of toilet paper per year. Aren't you glad you tuned in today? Which is about one roll per two and a half days. The whole thing is rather humbling. I, I was waiting in line at the dollar store uh, one morning a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was just a few minutes before 7 o'clock. And, and in that line, because the truck had arrived, and you know, in that line there was a doctor from our community, and, and, and he was not, not anyone from our church, but he kind of put his head down and sheepishly said to me, Who would have ever thought that I would be in line at the dollar store before 7 o'clock in the morning hoping to get a roll of toilet paper? And and, and we laugh about it. It is humbling, but we laugh about it. But but this Easter we have been humbled. And we feel that our normal and, and comfortable lives are slipping through our fingers. Typical family Easter gatherings that you would normally have had have been canceled. Community Easter egg hunts are not happening. 
We're all being asked to stay at home and try to do our work from the house with kids running around our feet. And should it be necessary to go someplace essential, is the key word essential, we're, asked, we're, we're, we're advised to wear a mask, preferably an N95 mask. Who would have known what that was a few weeks ago? But wear a mask and then wash our hands and then wash our hands again. You know, 20 seconds or more with, with soap and warm water and then use hand sanitizer. You, you know the drill. What we used to consider normal, getting together with family and friends, shaking hands with each other, going out to eat together, going to see a movie, going to church on Sundays. All of those things seem like so long ago. And sometimes I believe we've come to think that we're suffering as no other generation has. But I want to be clear that even though this situation is unprecedented in our lifetimes, it's not unprecedented in history. Humanity has always had to take, can we just call it sucker punches? From infection, financial hardship, war, famine, and yes, even pandemics. In just four years, during the 1300s, the, the bubonic plague killed, catch this, 25 million people. Europe, Europe's population was so decimated, it, it, it said that it took about 200 years to fully recover. The, the Spanish flu took place in the early 1900s, and, and it lasted two years, and it infected 25% of the world's population, and, and tens of millions of people died. I was reading where it said that mail carriers transferred the virus to Alaskan villages and tribes have since completely gone extinct because of that. The American Civil War claimed more than 1.5 million casualties. Nearly one out of every four soldiers that left never came home again. Where was that? That was on our own soil in places we call home. And that's just scratching the surface. We haven't even mentioned World War I, where 8.5 million died. World War II, who knows, maybe 75 million people died. The Irish potato famine, and I was reading about this this past week, but 1 million lives in, in Ireland, which would be about 25% of that island's population, taken, snuffed out. The Great Depression, genocides, armed conflicts, Famines in sub-Saharan Africa and Yemen. And are you depressed yet? Want to plug your ears with your fingers and go la, 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 because you don't want to hear me. You know, we don't like to look reality in the face. But all of that to say that this pandemic, even though very, very, very serious, something that should not be taken lightly, it's a killer of a virus. Yet it's not unprecedented. And on this Easter Sunday morning, when we look back 2,000 years, we need to understand that the world was also in a crisis at that time as well. Roman rule during the time of Christ made life very difficult. Hundreds of thousands of innocent moms and, and dads and citizens lost their lives due to the cruel and, and brutal and heartless Roman regime. Crucifixion, you know, was one of their main ways of making people suffer intensely before death. And it said, and this blew my mind, but it said in one day, 
6,000 people were crucified one day. You could be crucified for so many flimsy reasons, one of them being your religious beliefs. And so when Jesus came along and, and started promoting that he was the way, the truth, and the life, that immediately put him on the radar of the Jewish and Roman leaders, and, and they had their spies that followed him continually. And during that period of time, you were not declared innocent until proven guilty. You were just declared guilty. And if your case ever did go to trial, the court system was so corrupt, forget about getting justice. And so it was under this atmosphere that Jesus was arrested. The Bible says, brutally beaten beyond recognition. You couldn't even recognize his face. He was tried on false charges. And on that Friday that we have now come to call Good Friday, Jesus was led to a hill called Golgotha, also referred to as the place of the skull. He was placed on a cross. A crown of thorns was shoved onto his head. Nails were driven into his hands. Spikes were pounded into his feet. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, was crucified. And a few hours later, the Bible says that he cried out, It is finished! And shortly thereafter, he took his last breath and died. But of course, early on that glorious Sunday morning we call Easter, he resurrected from the dead and burst from the tomb. And that one single event changed the course of history. It changed the course of our lives. It changed my life. Now, in the hours after the resurrection, what took place in many ways parallels what was going on, what is going on in our world today. Followers of Jesus initially didn't realize that Jesus was indeed alive. And so they came together to try to figure out their future without their leader, because he had died. Let's pick up our reading in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. Find out what happened. On the evening of that first day of the week, so this would be the Sunday evening, just a few hours after the morning resurrection, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear. So Jesus' disciples, not, not fully understanding that he had risen from the dead, earlier that day they met together trying to regroup. Their master was dead. Now what? And there are two things that I believe are very similar to our situation today. One was that Jesus' disciples met in a small group. How big of a group? We don't know. The Bible describes the group as Jesus' disciples, and we do, do know that you know, Judas wasn't in this group. He had already betrayed Christ. Uh, we do know that Thomas was not there. So if this would have been the original group of, of original disciples, maybe a group of 10 or so, probably would have fit into our governor's guidelines of 10 or less. But then there's a second significant detail that we get from this scripture that I think parallels our situation. Did you notice that it said that they were behind closed doors? In fact, it says, locked doors. Why? Because of fear. And that wasn't the only time they met behind a locked door. Seven verses later, which would also have been seven days later in verse 26, it says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, 
Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. So for at least two Sundays in a row, they had church with the doors locked. Um, you know, this last month of not being able to gather in our church building for corporate worship, it has been so hard for me. Uh, you know, as a church, we're committed to trying to keep some normalcy and, and stream our services, so as we have for a good number of years, and so we have our tech team, they come in, we have our, our worship team, they come in to help us, but we're still trying to keep our numbers uh, within the 10 or less guidelines, and, but what we did and what we did this morning after our, our tech team and our worship team got into the building, because we've had some people trying to walk in, and, but to stay within those limits what we do seems to be so wrong, we lock the doors. And I was commenting to our tech team, worship team, last Sunday, I, I said, this doesn't seem right. You know, as a pastor for the last 25 years, it's been my goal to not only help people come to Jesus, but it's been my goal to see them incorporated into the local church. That's what I do. That's not just what I do for a living. That's my calling. And and so locking the church doors goes completely against what I've worked for for the majority of my life, but we're trying to be part of the solution rather than the problem. So, so here we are today on Super Bowl Sunday of Christianity, Easter morning, when the churches are normally crowded to capacity. Here we are behind locked doors, just a few tech people, few music people, about the same number of disciples that gathered on the two Sundays right after the resurrection. And of course, this is not just happening here at the church. Offices, businesses have either locked the doors or they've put up barriers limiting access to the general public. And all of this has brought, the pandemic has brought about a spirit of fear. We don't want to get infected. We don't want to infect anybody else. And probably the toughest thing is that in some instances, because of our distancing, grandparents are unable to hug their grandkids. Fear is pretty much dominating our society. And, and, and we think, oh, you know what? We're just about out of milk. We need a gallon of milk. And what do we do? Do, do? do I risk running into the grocery store and grabbing a gallon of milk, not knowing who's coughed or sneezed onto that gallon of milk? And on and on and on, there's fear. But let me say this. God is not the one who is giving you a spirit of fear. Just know that when you have a spirit of fear come upon you, that does not come from God. You know, as, as we as parents or grandparents say, look at my eyes. Come on now, look at my eyes. When you have a spirit of fear, when you have a panic attack, when you have anxiety, when you have a sleepless night because you're worrying so much, that does not come from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, this doesn't mean that we should throw all caution to the wind. Absolutely not. But we can't let fear consume us and dominate our lives. So considering the fear of the disciples that 
led them to locking the doors when they head church, considering our fears today as we meet on this Easter behind closed doors as well. What message does the resurrected Jesus give us today? Well, after the resurrection, Jesus gave a couple of short two-word sound bites, pieces of advice that really spoke to the disciples. And I believe they will speak to us today. The first soundbite comes from John 20, 19, during that first gathering Sunday evening, right after Jesus resurrected. They didn't understand he was alive. And, and so it says, suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And so what I believe Jesus was saying to those, to those disciples was the soundbite of fear not. To those disciples who were letting fear and anxiety control them, Jesus said, fear not. And on this Easter Sunday, look at my eyes, I believe Jesus is telling you the same thing. Fear not. Fear not. As the virus seems to get closer and closer and... Do you remember a few weeks ago, and again, it seems like so long ago, but when we said, oh, did you hear that the virus is now in the state of Missouri? Did you hear that St. Louis has some confirmed cases? And then, you know, a couple of weeks after that, a few days after that, we said, oh, did you hear that it's in Springfield now? And then, well, did you hear that it's in Clinton? Remember what you said? You, You said this, didn't you? You said... It's just a matter of time before it comes to our community. And sure enough, a couple of weeks ago, it was announced that Stockton had their first cases here in Cedar County. And then, of course, officially it has arrived to our town. And as it infects people we know and people that we respect, people we love, it's almost as if the tourniquet of fear is causing us to worry more and sleep less. And couple that with the financial pressures, the layoffs, trying to homeschool your kids and then explain to them why they have to stay in their own yard and, and why they can't play with their friends and, and why, mommy, why do we have to wash our hands so often? And, and mommy, what happens if you get it? Will you die? I think we would be lying if, if we said that fear has not touched all of us in some capacity. Well, just as on that very first Easter when Jesus met with the disciples and with authority said, fear not. On this Easter, nearly 2,000 years later, Jesus, whose power is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, with that same authority, he is giving those same words to you. Fear not. Peace be with you. Fear not. I believe that some of you desperately need to hear that message from Jesus right now. Fear not. Peace. Let's move on to the second two-word soundbite. And let me, let me try to set the stage for this point. When Jesus first appeared to the disciples the evening after his morning resurrection, we pointed out that in that meeting where the doors were locked, Thomas was not present. Thomas had skipped church that day. Jesus showed up. 
Isn't that so typical? The, the, the church services that we miss is the service where Jesus shows up in a special way. And after church, the other disciples were so excited, they ran and found Thomas. They said, brother, you missed it. You won't believe this. Jesus showed up at church, and, and, and yeah, we saw him die, but he's alive. And, and you would think that Thomas's reaction would be, hallelujah. But it was really interesting. That's not the way he reacted. And, and this is why through history, we've nicknamed him Doubting Thomas. In verse 24, now Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. That was right after the resurrection. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Thomas was basically saying, I'm not an idiot. Jesus is dead. And the law of nature is that dead people stay dead. In fact, the only way that all believe it is if we can somehow find him. I can put my finger into his wounds where the nails went in his hands and put my hand into the side where the spear went in. And I, I love this story. The Bible says in verse 26 that when the disciples met one week later, this time Thomas was with them. And, and there they are again. The door's locked. All of a sudden, Jesus walks through a locked door. Didn't put the door open, just walked right through it. And Jesus looked right at Thomas, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. How did Thomas then react? Well, how else could you react? Verse 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And that leads us to the second soundbite. Jesus was telling Thomas, touch me. Touch me. And I realize what Jesus was telling Thomas would have been in direct violation of what the CDC recommends right now. It seems forever since we've been able to shake hands and give each other a hug. In fact, I read Thursday, and this kind of broke my heart. Some health experts are saying that the handshake should never be reinstituted again. After the crisis is over, they're saying that this manner of greeting should never be reinstituted again because it would cut down on the spread of influenza and all of that. But, but looking back on this, when, when the COVID-19 scare began to get close to us, here's what we said as a church, you know, we need to be really careful, and so let's no longer shake hands. Let's, let's greet each other with a fist bump. And then we said, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. COVID-19 is really contagious, and so no touching of skin. Let's just do an elbow bump. And, and of course, the weather outside was cold, and so we were wearing long sleeves. And, and then we said, well, don't even do that. Just smile at each other. And then you say, well, you actually need to be six feet apart. And then it progressed to, you just need to stay home. And as we've learned about the COVID-19 virus, this is all necessary. And I was reading about this this past week. You've heard about it too, how long the virus lives on different surfaces, on paper. 
COVID-19 is supposed to just live a few minutes, even though I did read that some strains of coronavirus can live up to a few days on paper. They say that uh, on wood, it can live up to four days. Refrigerators, pots, pans, water bottles, two to three days. Uh, Boxes, so those of you that get daily orders from Amazon, uh, COVID-19 can live 24 hours on a box, cardboard, copper pennies up to four hours. So it's been necessary to make adjustments on what we touch, and Pastor Jim and I were discussing how we've learned how to open doors with our elbows or, you know, our, our, our shoes, and, you know, in the office, we, we've got a system of disinfecting door handles, pretty much everything that we touch at least twice a day, and we, we've had to adopt a, a no-touch approach, no handshakes, no hugs, no fist bumps, no elbow bumps, definitely no kisses. But I pray that you would listen to me here. And this is good news. During this time when we are social distancing and not touching, Jesus issues a call to you. Listen, he issues a call to me. And here's what he says. He says, touch me. Touch me. COVID-19, influenza B, strep throat, mono, pink eye, all of those things that we consider to be highly contagious, they do not scare him. In fact, Matthew chapter 8 verse 3 says that he reached out and he touched the highly contagious lepers. So during this time when Touching each other is not advisable when we have to stay at least six feet apart, when we have to isolate. Don't forget Jesus is standing there. He is saying, it's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. You can touch me. In fact, if you want to just crawl up into my arms, lay your head on my chest, And if it make you feel better, just weep. It's okay. There's an old hymn, and it's been a long time since I've heard it. I had to actually look up the words, but some of you would remember the hymn uh, where it says, Let me touch him. Let me touch Jesus. So during this so very difficult moment in our lives, he's calling you to touch him. And really, when you look at, uh, at the situation our world is in, did you know that our spirituality is shallow if it isn't born out of difficulty? You say, oh, this is such a tough time, and it is, but we're pretty shallow if there's not some difficulty Every hero of the faith in the Bible became a hero after hard times. And it wasn't the difficulty that made them heroes. It's the way they responded to difficulty. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under, what? Under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You know what that's telling me? No trial, no crown. The ability to be spiritually strong without trials is nothing more than an illusion. And so if you're being disillusioned by the COVID-19 outbreak, 
good. Our illusions need to be torn down. Living in a world where we think nothing bad should ever happen, and if it does, we cry, oh, God's not fair. Why do bad things happen to good people? That theology is distinctly an American theology that is distinctly an American illusion. Yes, I pray that soon our lives will return back to normal. But in the meantime, let's not think that our suffering, that we're suffering more than most generations because we are not. This is part of life. And don't succumb to being a negative Nelly. Well, if you continue reading in the Bible within just a matter of a few days, the disciples began to gain courage. That's what the resurrection does. As they realized that Jesus was indeed alive, they became more and more bold, and and their little meeting groups of 10 people began to increase. In fact, in less than one month. So for two weeks, we know for sure they were behind locked doors. So in less than a month, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, here's what we read. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. So so Jesus' resurrection took the fearful gatherings of 10 people behind closed doors, behind locked doors, into open and public gatherings of hundreds. Well, today we're still in our small gatherings of 10 or less. But I believe in not the too distant future as God brings healing, He will bring us back together again where dozens and hundreds and even thousands will gather together at one time in one place, in one building, and corporately worship the risen Christ. So again, these may be unprecedented days in our lifetimes, but they're not unprecedented in the life of the church. The church has endured such suffering and uncertainty before. And to be clear, this is not about being the church in the COVID-19 age. This is the church's age, not a virus's. The church will not pass. Coronavirus will pass. The church will outlive this trial. You know, Matthew 16, 18 is so encouraging to me. It says, not even the gates of hell will hold back the final advance of his church, much less a temporary pandemic. Not that Christians won't get sick and some die. Some already have. And our hearts go out to the families. And not that particular local churches won't go belly up. Some will. Some local churches have closed their doors. They will never open again. But the global church, the church of Jesus Christ, of which Christ himself is the head, stands under no genuine threat and will be stronger than before. As seemingly isolated Christians text each other and and call each other and message each other and FaceTime each other. And as Christians learn anew how to care for each other. As we gather in living rooms to worship as families, as we open our Bibles with a hunger and a thirst for substance and guidance, as as we bow our knees in our homes and as we bow our heads with our children, please know that without a doubt that the church is alive and well. Not just barely holding on, not just hoping it can make it through this crisis, 
but the church is thriving. And ladies and gentlemen, hard times are good days to be a Christian. So as these days that have disrupted our normalcy turn into weeks and into months, let's be the church to each other. And be encouraged because God tells us in His Word, wherever you are, this ought to bring an amen. One day we will forever enjoy a new world without a virus, (laughs) without disease, without war, without famine, without global warming, and even without the political nonsense of Democrats and Republicans and all of God's people said, amen. The other day I was listening to something produced by a Christian organization called RIPE, R-Y-P-E, and, and there was something that really encouraged me. And for our wrap-up, I want to share that with you. And if you've been multitasking, doing some things around the house, trying to listen a little bit, why don't you uh, just focus here for the next couple minutes. This is what Easter really means. Easter means that Jesus died, but salvation didn't. Easter means that Jesus was buried, but hope wasn't. Easter means forgiveness for my failures, grace for my guilt, mercy for my misery. Easter means that the pain of living in a Saturday world isn't purposeless and permanent. Easter means I can't outrun the grace of God and outrun the reach of God. It means Jesus is king. Light overcomes darkness. And justice will win. And brokenness will be broken. Easter means that the scars on the hands of Jesus are telling the story of victory, not defeat. Easter means I am not alone, not ashamed not forgotten and not forsaken. Easter means that the rain and the storms and the wind and the waves of this world will not have the last word because my future is a resurrected body with a resurrected Jesus on a resurrected earth. Easter means I can join with a choir of saints and angels singing, Oh death, where's your victory? Oh grave, where's your sting? Oh hell, where's your song? Easter means, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. And as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for me. Easter means that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or may we just say, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of COVID-19, I will fear no evil because you're with me. That's what Easter means. Church, rejoice. Today is Easter. Would you bow your heads as we pray? Father, we come to you. We come to you on this Easter. We can look around and find everything that's negative. Lord, we can look around at the number of people infected, and it's horrible. Look at all the tragic deaths. Lord, we could look around at all those people that have lost their jobs and 
Lord, our hearts go out to them. We could look at all of those that, Father, this is dividing families, husbands and wives, because they have different views on this. And Lord, there are some families that are truly almost fighting over this thing because Satan uses anything he can to divide marriages. And Lord, all those things need to concern us, and they do concern us. But Father, I thank you that the church is alive and well, and this is not the church in the COVID-19 age. This is the church age, and the church is alive and well, and, and the church is not a building. But Lord, it's people who have had their sins forgiven. Lord, the, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. That's the church, Lord. And, and here we are, 2.3 billion of us gathered together celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that some things will pass away. But Lord, we, we're so grateful. We're so grateful that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And our future is so bright. And Lord, during this day for the church, I pray that we would make sure that we're salt and light, that we are not spreading fear and God, that in our caution, in our, in our carefulness, that there would be that boldness. Lord, that there would not be those panic attacks and that anxiety and sleepless nights, but I pray that we would be confident. Our future is secure. And so, God, I just pray that as we leave here today and the typical family gatherings, families coming together and celebrating together, they were, won't happen on this day. But I pray that there would be a closeness. And Lord, maybe through FaceTime and maybe from a distance there through a window or whatever. And God, I pray that you would just bring families close together in their spirit. And more than that, Lord, that we would feel a closeness with you that we've never felt before. So Lord, we ask for your blessings. We ask for your favor and hedge us in, Lord, as we go through these difficult days. I pray that you would hedge in people of this church, hedge in people of this community, and Lord, hedge in people of this state, and Lord, all across the world, this this country and the world, I pray that you would stop this virus. Lord, we ask that that would happen in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather. Lord, in homes, we've been connected by YouTube and Facebook. Lord, we felt a closeness today. Lord, we felt connected with our brothers and sisters. Thank you for being here. Thank you for resurrecting from the dead. Thank you for giving us salvation that is full and free, complete. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen and amen. Church, rejoice. Today is Easter. Good day to you. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.